You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and, of course, www.thefireplacechurch.org. And, uh, folks, I am telling you what, we do invite you to hang out with us at thefireplacechurch.org every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, where you will hear a message and an opportunity for fellowship with other like-minded believers in uh, moderated discussion groups after every service. I want to say that we are very excited about this weekend, which is March 17th, 18th, and 19th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We will be having the Advanced Spiritual Warfare Weekend. I will be uh, going through two courses that have been put together. We call them Advanced Spiritual Warfare Number 1 and Advanced Spiritual Warfare Number 2, which was formerly only available to graduates of our bride Discipleship course has been opened up to the public. Everybody and anybody can attend. Um, and it's a full weekend. I mean, it, it's it's Friday night, all day Saturday, and Sunday morning and afternoon. Um, and, and there are eight separate sessions uh, going into contending with heavenly powers, realms and warfare, um, bloodline redemption, uh, getting into things like timeline redemption, spiritual weaponry. Folks, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be intense and it's going to be a lot of fun is what it's going to be. And and so um, hopefully you're there with us. Um, obviously, today as this program is posting, is going to be really your last opportunity to sign up. Uh, we may extend some signups through Friday morning, but after that, uh, it's just going to be done. And if you're there, you're there. If you're not, I'm sorry. Uh, for those of you that do 
participate in the conference, it will be recorded. So you'll be able to go back and listen again. Or if you have to miss sessions, you, you get to listen back and um, that that's going to be there for you. So it's kind of like, you know, you get the conference and the DVD together as one. But our uh, platform will just take care of the recordings for you and, and they'll all pop up in your email. So we're really excited about this weekend and um, hopefully you can join us. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just going to say this. You know, I, I want to thank all of you that are supportive of us financially and otherwise in prayer. You know, folks, we've had some uh, rocky months. I mean, in November, December, January, February, I'll tell you what, we have been under a lot of attack. I I have, um, you know, uh, learned a lot and matured a lot through that process personally. But what, I, what I'm going to say is, you know... Um, Mm, I thank you. Thank you for those of you that continue to support us. And for those of you that are jumping on board with us now, you know, we can't do what we're doing right now without your help. We uh, do plan to bring in other sources of funding for all the projects that we have in mind, you know, um, and, and partnering with business and different things like that. But for now, for now, we are uh, basing what we can do on what you guys are providing us with. And, and, you know, you guys have been really a, a huge blessing to us and to those that we've served and helped. And I just want to encourage you to continue. You know, if you are uh, planning to support us financially, you can do it at bridemovement.com and thefireplacechurch.org. Also, you can write to us anytime at P.O. Box 6173, uh, Texarkana, Texas. That's our new one. P.O. Box 6173, Texarkana, Texas 75505. With that said, uh, we're going to be getting into the program. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. talking about something that is extremely offensive to some of you and I, well, <laughs> don't really care. We're going to be talking about wealth and the kingdom. And I know what you're thinking. Dan Duvall, I know the truth because I read the Bible. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So you're wrong. You're wrong right now. Just by titling this program with the word wealth, you're wrong. I don't think I'm wrong, though, and I want to tell you why over the course of this, this, this program. Really, I'm trying to help you. Why would I do this? Well, one, uh, because you're broke. See, uh, there's a lot of Christians that are just plain old struggling financially. <laughs> They're struggling, right? They're living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, they 
are looking to government aid as a solution to their financial situation. They are they, they're, they're incapacitated against their dreams and ambitions because they're coming up with lack. Now, some of you, you're not in that position at all. Some of you are very wealthy. I, I know I have very wealthy people that listen to me. I, I know that because the Lord told me. And um, some of you listen to me and you wouldn't even tell your friends you listen to me. I know, I know the truth. You say, this stuff is really fascinating and it hits. But I won't tell anybody I listen to this guy because they just wouldn't understand. But you know what? I don't care. That's so cool. It's, it's okay. It's cool. You know, uh, but there are Christians in different camps. Some of you are just broke, man. And, and the thing is, we need to solve the problem of impaled Christians that are impaled not because they lack ability, not because they lack finesse, not because they lack uh, relationship with God or understanding of the word. It's because they don't have cash. They just can't do stuff. I mean, there's a lot of things I can't do because I don't have as much cash as it costs to do certain components of the vision that I've been articulating for years now. But, you know, we're doing what we can with what we have. And folks, frankly, we've done a lot. And, you know, God is graduating us, right, from one platform to the next. And the bigger the platform gets and the, the more influence, and the more support, the more we can do it. And that's okay. That's called journeying the thing. But, you know, we get really religious about money, about cash, about resources, about this stuff, because, well, I think some of us are just bitter. So because we don't have it, we want to be upset with the people that do. Um, and, and then we build a religious concept around it and make accusations against anybody that wants to talk about resources or has them. <laughs> you know, some Christians actually think that anybody that is rich is evil, which is so dumb because there are plenty of people that were rich and righteous. Let's talk about Abraham for a minute. God said, I will make you wealthy. That's what he told Abraham. And he gave him uh, land, he gave him flocks, he gave him children, he gave... I mean, if Abraham had it going. Uh, and um, he, he had a lot, he had an abundance. I mean, God made him very rich. And he's not the only one throughout history that God had done that for. Like, let's talk about Gideon. He was the least in his father's house, which was the smallest tribe, the smallest house and the smallest tribe in Israel. I mean, it was just like the guy was at the bottom of the barrel, socioeconomically and otherwise. And you know what? The Bible says he died rich and fat and happy. I mean, and, and the thing is, what did he do? Well, he, he served God and God opened up wealth and increase to him after he delivered Israel. I mean, it, it just got heaped on. God is not religious about wealth. And, and, and why am I talking about wealth today? I, I don't know why, actually. God put this on my heart to talk about today. But, but it's on my heart. It's like really heavy on my heart. It's like, it's like a fire in my bones, folks. And so I'm going to talk about cash and the kingdom. The problem is that Christians have a poverty mentality, right? We think that God is going to somehow be better off if we're broke and the evil people are rich. Because we tell ourselves we can be holier without money and we can focus on God more without money and resources and access to capital and land and stuff. 
Um, and, and, and so we, we get this thing like, well, we're better off poor, so why even try to create wealth or generate this or uh, produce better in, in that area? Um, you know, it actually becomes an excuse to do a poor job because, you know, what, when we uh, expect that we should just have less, we actually drift away from excellence. Because when we bring excellence to the table, promotion comes. <laughs> so we say, well, we don't need to be excellent because we don't need to have promotion because we don't need more. We can just do with less. We're holy people. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's baloney. It's, it's garbage. Folks, it is garbage. I'm sorry, but I am like really, you know, I've talked to missionaries. Some people say, what about the African in the hut that's so happy with so little? I went to Africa and I met some of the people in the huts. They said it was hell. They want to be in America <laughs> with an opportunity to live in a three-bedroom house. They, they want that. Don't tell me about an African in a hut. I mean, the, the religious programming on some people is so thick and, and, and so obscene. It's actually offensive. And... Um, you know, we, we, we just put assumptions on things based upon our religious programming. And we, we don't get the big picture. We're actually so blind to the big. And that's where, where this program is actually going to the big picture. Folks. It's going to the big picture. But we need to start with the little picture first. The little picture is you have a poverty mentality. We're, we're going to break that in Jesus' name. Um, and, 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 and there's a big picture because there's what I call kingdom agenda. See, we're talking about cash and the kingdom. Cash and the kingdom. Because, see, God has a kingdom agenda that actually requires cash. And uh, God works through the systems of rules and laws and uh, dynamics that he set, himself, he set up himself. He, he's a God that actually plays by his own rules. And so somehow we have to understand what those rules are and navigate them with his power in order to come to the place he wants us to be. This is true for deliverance, it's true for healing, it's true for family dynamics, it's true for cash. And so we're going to talk about it today. We actually don't understand spiritual mechanics behind money. and we, we, We've lost the battle so much in this area that we, we're so beat down, we, we just build a religion around our place of powerlessness or, or self-imposed powerlessness or um, just assumed powerlessness and establish ourselves in that with a belief system. It's dumb. Folks, we are going to do some rethinking today. Now, I get a lot of questions, you know, come to me about financial breakthrough because people that listen to me long enough, they get it in their heads like, hey, God doesn't need me to be broke to do something awesome with my life. Like, we just kind of get there, you know, and then um, they'll come to me and they say, well, Daniel, you know, I, I know that God has more for me here, but I've been doing your financial prayer and I haven't experienced financial breakthrough. Why? And I'm going to talk to you about that. But first, Let's talk about the financial prayer. If you go to bridemovement.com or thefireplacechurch.org, you'll find something. It's a financial prayer. It's a free resource. It's just the word of God. But what you find is that there are a lot of promises on finances throughout the Bible. I took a bunch of them, made a prayer out of them. It reads this way. <clears throat> Lord, I come before you in prayer to thank you that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
I declare that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the God who provides. You own the cattle on a thousand hills and you have provided my every need according to the riches of your abundance in glory by Christ Jesus. I will lack no good thing as I am sent by you into the world. You said in your word that as I seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, all these things will be added unto me. The gold is yours and the silver is yours. You said in your word that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the just. And so I strategically position myself to receive the spoils of your enemies, not only for myself, but for an inheritance to my children. As I give, it shall be... Uh, given unto me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, have you caused men to give into my bosom? Furthermore, I receive wisdom, which is from above. I receive wisdom in whose right hand is length of days, and in whose left hand is riches and honor. I speak to my hands and declare that everything that I set my hands to will prosper. I set myself to honor your word, that I will prosper in all that I do. I will not turn from your word to the left or to the right that I may prosper wherever I go. Your word says that as I delight myself in your law and meditate your word day and night, I will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in season. My leaf also shall not wither and whatever I do shall prosper. I thank you, Lord, that increase is multiplied unto me and that you establish me in everlasting habitations of true wealth. Amen. Now, I, I think that's a good prayer. I like that prayer. It sounds like prayers that I'll say every morning um, as I'm getting going on my day. You know, every morning I, I pray over my day, over bride ministries, over different stuff, right? Um, because the Bible says there's a blessing for the early riser. And, uh, you know, let me, let me tell you something. There's no way you do this and don't go to war every morning and think you're going to have any chance of success at all. So, you know, I, 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 I pray like this. And, and this is a, uh, an example. Um it's available for free download on our website. The, the, the way this works, folks, is that uh, the Bible says, for all of the promises of God are yes in him and amen in him to the glory of God through us. And, and so in New Covenant, all of the promises are actually established in Christ. And, and so he, he actually gives his yes. And uh, when we look at the promises that are throughout the Bible— we see that God has given us something to stand on when we come to him. And so when we understand his promises, we can give our amen or our let it be so, our agreement to his promise. And that that brings heaven and earth into alignment and allows for what God has established to manifest. And so when we were praying, there was a huge importance to praying the word of God. And when we know the word of God and we use the word of God, there's more power. There's power. As a matter of fact, the Bible says God watches over his word to perform it. And just think about all of this is in his word. Actually, if you go through the prayer and download it, you will see a verse reference for literally every sentence in that prayer, meaning that God actually has a lot to say about wealth and wealth for his people, increase for his people. I mean, he's so much, so much. And the thing is, is that God knows he has something that he wants done in the earth. He knows that there is a financial cost, that he knows that we have needs for, in so far as provision in the natural. Whether we're serving him or not, we still have the same basic needs. We got to eat. We have to have a house. We have to have this. We, you know, there's certain things that we just, we do need. And, and, and so God has knowledge of our needs. He promises to provide for our needs. And, and so when we are dealing with God, what we have to understand is, look, um, we have promises, but we need to agree with those promises because when we are in disagreement with his promises, we actually stop up the flow of heaven. We actually shut down uh, things and, and they don't work right. 
And, and so sometimes we have to renew our mind to the promises of God. We have to learn what the Bible says, and then we can engage it. But, but sometimes this isn't enough, right? People will say this prayer, they'll say it for weeks, maybe, whatever. And there's not much changing in their financial situation. For some people, there is a change. <laughs> some people get this prayer on their hand and they come back. And they, I have a testimony, Daniel. I started praying this prayer and whammo. So we're going to talk about it. Look, one, praying the word of God is essential. Understanding that the God is not against wealth is essential. We actually have to, as we begin this conversation on, on, on cash and the kingdom, uh, understand that uh, we're going to always have challenges in this area if our belief system is corrupted and polluted by lies of Satan. Just like any other area of in our life. Like, like for example, the area of sickness. There are people believe all over the place that God wants them sick because somehow he gets glory from that. God gets glory from my cancer. God gets glory from my diabetes. God, no, no, he, no, no he, he gets glory from your faithfulness, but he doesn't get glory from your diabetes. So if you're faithful while you have diabetes, yeah, glory to God that you're faithful. Let's, let's address the diabetes by faith. Let's not get confused on this stuff. And Christians all over the place get confused. They say, well, if I'm faithful with diabetes, then that's like a bonus on my faithfulness. They're like, no, it's not a bonus on your faithfulness. Be faithful whether you have diabetes or not. But look, believe God that you can be set free of diabetes and maybe you can change your diet with his help. And sometimes people get set free from diabetes just by changing their diet and going on a juice fast. You know, uh, so anyway, let me not get off track here. What I'm saying is sometimes we get very confused and we create very religious concepts around things that are <laughs> absolutely not. They don't have anything to do with the way God does things. And uh, so, so, so when we talk about cash in the kingdom, we have to begin with, with a study on faith, right? Because uh, if we have a bad financial situation and, and it's just been rough all our lives, we, we're, we're really struggling in this area, which, you know, I, I meet a lot of people that do. And I, I don't condemn people for struggling financially. I mean, look, I was there, right? I was the guy that made less than my monthly bills were, even if I didn't eat out or do anything at all for a season. When I left college, God told me to go to Bible school. I went to Bible school. I got a job. I was working in the basement of J.C. Penney. And for about four months, I made less than what it cost me to exist. And so I had a small amount in my bank account that just went down every month as what I had had to subsidize what I couldn't quite make for a season. And I, I know what that feels like. I, I was living in a roach-infested apartment. I know what that feels like. Like, I was there. And, and you know what? I'm not ashamed to say God led me into that place. So, you know, sometimes we can go into a season of hardship following the Lord. And, and really, there's no, no condemnation. The, the, the idea that God would lead us into a season of, 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 of turmoil or tribulation or whatever is not anti-biblical. Or it doesn't mean we don't have enough faith. But it does mean that we have to understand it's a season that will have an end. And we need to believe God for the establishment of his promises inside and outside of tough seasons. And I mean, I have that repeated to me all the time. I just got done with four months of a tough season, folks. I mean, like, I'm not even going to get into it in this program. But, like, they, 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 and by they, I mean the powers of darkness, have been throwing everything and the kitchen sink, and the kitchen sink, um, at us, <laughs> at me, at bride, at whatever. And, um, and I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's the idea that you just keep commanding and keep believing in the hard season and outside of the hard season. It, it's the 
it, it's the consistency that's that's really important. And so, you know, but I, I, I was there. I went there. It didn't mean that God designed me to stay there. When people have been there, been circling the mountain for 10, 15 years, usually that means there's a problem. And we need to have faith for a better thing. Even I was in that situation, believing God every day. This is a season and it's going to get better. Fortunately, praise God, I went to a church that did not teach poverty mentality. They taught about increase. They taught about the abundance of God, the purpose for you know, God moving us forward in this area and, and man, oh man, um, you know, I was being regularly reminded and having my faith invigorated. And, and this is where we're going to start. We're going to start with faith. I'm going to talk about faith for a minute. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 1, uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith, faith is a really important concept for us to understand. You know, we are saved by grace through faith. Faith connects us to heaven. Faith connects us to the finished work of Jesus Christ, which is his grace. Faith connects us. And um, this passage uh, is very important to our understanding of faith. Now, the word faith in this passage is translated from the Greek word pistis. It means the conviction of the truth of anything. So first of all, we have to understand that faith is not mental assent, but conviction. And I would suggest that conviction is not an aspect of mental assent or of uh, soul processes going on in the mind that just go through information. But conviction is a heart-level issue. Conviction is established in the heart, which is our subconscious, which means that it actually touches on belief system. Faith is conviction. It's not mental assent. So let's just get that straight. You know, people actually are convicted that God wants them broke, but they give mental assent to a message like, oh, okay. Well, here's 10 cents. I'm going to tie something to some church, whatever. Let's see. Go ahead, God. What are you going to do? Oh, God's not doing anything. Well, I guess I'm right. God hates my guts. Nah. You know, and people really carry this attitude, especially in the area of money, because they're bitter. Um, but see, faith is, is conviction. So we, we, we have to get over ourselves sometimes and just say, you know what? We have, I'm going to decide what I'm going to be convicted about, right? And, and, and just in a conversation on faith in general, I mean, this goes for every area of life. Um, does God want me to encounter his love? Yes or no. And some of us think no. Does God want me to have health in my physical body? Yes or no. Some of us think no. You know, does God want me to prosper financially and otherwise? Yes or no. Some of us think no. You know, we, and, and <laughs> so we don't have faith. We're not convicted. And we get mental ascent and we get upset when our mental ascent doesn't move heaven. But mental ascent was never designed to move heaven. Faith moves heaven. Faith is conviction. The word substance in this verse is very interesting. It, it's translated from the Greek word hypostasis, which means a setting or placing under that which has a foundation and is firmer or that which has actual existence. See, uh, faith is the substance. It's the actual existence. It's, it's the setting of things hoped for, you know, and, and it's also the evidence. This is translated from the Greek word elegos, which means proof. It's a proof that by which a thing is proven or tested. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the proof of things not seen, the evidence, um, the test, so to speak. The Amplified Bible says it this way. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as fact what is not revealed to the senses. Notice the word assurance, the Amplified Bible adds um, to the word uh, faith as well as title deed. It, it's, it's that faith is 
the assurance, confirmation, and title deed. Wow! That means that faith indicates ownership and access by legal right. That faith, which is a conviction of the truth of anything, and in this case, a, true, a conviction of the truth of God's word, is our title deed to the things hoped for, which should include financial and uh, positional increase in Jesus' name. <laughs> and and it, it really, though, it means heavenly things. Faith is our title deed to heavenly things. The things we hope for are the heavenly things. I mean, faith is our title deed to salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. That's where it starts, right? We access the grace of God, the finished work of Jesus Christ, the ability of God, the unmerited favor of God, the, unmerit- the, uh, the divine influence upon our hearts. From God, through faith. That's how we engage that, right? And we engage all of these other heavenly things through faith. It's, it's really powerful when we, we understand that faith is what we are using to engage heaven. What we're using. Now, um, a great illustration of how faith works. It's like this. You go to a restaurant, right? Think about, you know, you're going to sit down at a table. Um, but the restaurant's full. You didn't get there in time. You have to wait online. They say, okay. Here's this object, this device. It's not your table, but it will buzz when your table is ready. So you get the buzzer. You go sit down, right? So you get the restaurant, you're getting sit down. Like, okay, we're going to wait 15 minutes. Now, in this situation, this is how faith is illustrated. That buzzer is the equivalent of a furnished table, but it doesn't look like a furnished table. You can't even eat off of it. It's, it's actually the promise of a table. That buzzer is faith. The buzzer is faith. And this is how it works, right? While you don't see the table, which we're going to call the heavenly thing, because you know when you sit down, you're about to put something heavenly in your mouth as long as you go to the right restaurant. Um, as long as you don't see it, you have a buzzer representing faith, which is the proof, the conviction of reality, your title deed to the table. It's the proof that you're going to soon be sitting down to put that heavenly thing in your mouth. It's a simple idea. This is faith, right? But, uh, you know, we, we could call that table anything. Financial breakthrough. Breakthrough in health. Salvation. At that moment of conviction of the truth of the true Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, that heavenly thing that we're believing for, faith is our proof of it. And so we have to understand, look, we've got to put our faith in something. What did God really set up in respect to what he designed us to operate out of in the area of finance? In the area of, you know, material wealth, in the area of you know, influence through this avenue in the earth. The, a lot, actually. I, you know, I, um, I wrote about this in my book, uh, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm. And, and this is going to begin to touch on bigger picture stuff. But in that book, I talk about something I call a heavenly experience. Back 2011, I was spending a lot of time in prayer. I mean, God basically pulled me out. He said, you're not going to do a thing. Can't work. Can't get a job. Can't, you know, I actually tried. It just, God, I mean, closed every door, locked down everything. I, I was, he just sat me down. I, I, was, I lived like a monk. As a matter of fact, in 2011, I was on a, a media fast, so I couldn't even like watch TV or chill out. I, I, I literally almost had a mental breakdown because it was so intense. I, I would just wake up, you know, eat breakfast. I, I would go into prayer for two or three hours. I would read, study, write. Um, and then I would do like a full-time job 
And then in the evening, when it's like, okay, cool down time, what should I do? I'd pick up another nonfiction book and just read some more because I couldn't entertain myself with anything. I mean, God was like, fiction books are off the table. That was a rough year. I mean, I, I worked out a lot. Wow. It was tough. And, and, and so that year, you know, there was a lot of strangeness that began to happen in my prayer life. One of them was this trip I took to, to heaven. And so what happened was I was sitting in my chair at my desk and I'm just going at it, right? Praying. And next thing I know, it's as if I'm sitting across a table from Jesus. And, and it's wild because I didn't leave my body. I'm actually in my body and sitting across the table from Jesus in another realm at the same time. And I'm aware of both simultaneously. It was really weird. So I'm like, I know I'm sitting in my uh, chair at my desk. I know where I am. But I am also sitting across a table from Jesus. This is wild. And uh, so... And some of you listening to this program may have heard me tell this story before. That's okay. You can listen to me tell it again. Don't worry. I'll get over it. You know, the, the thing is, I, 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 I'm like, wow, this, I am so excited. Let's see what happens. And so it's like we get up from the table and go outside of, um, of, of this room we're in, strangely enough. And, and we're like outside. And, it, and it's wild because it's like, wow, this is heaven. I'm actually in heaven. Like, like I'm discerning. There's grass and and it's like the grass is alive. And and I even saw a tree off the side. And, and it was like the tree's alive and the fruit's alive and it's growing fruit. I, at one point, I actually walked over to the tree and ate the fruit. I didn't taste the fruit, but I, I felt the fruit. It was weird. And um, I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like fruit of the spirit is a real thing. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 and then, you know, I was sitting there with Jesus and we were watching me dance around I was like I was watching myself with him and I had a blindfold on my face and I was spinning around in circles worshiping God with my hands in the air looking like a goofball and I'm like laughing at myself with Jesus cracking up like what the heck is this guy doing God what are you doing and I'm like Jesus why am I wearing a blindfold and he said because you have no idea where you are and that was a real I mean, that was the slap upside the head. Of course, it's a gentle slap. Jesus loves a slap. Um, I get slapped in the face by Monday every week. <laughs> he loves that too, you know. But I, I, you know, I got the gentle slap, and I was like, "Whoa, reality check." The Bible says in Ephesians two six, "For we have been raised up together and seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." So what I had failed to understand is a full relevance of what it means to be transdimensional by design and how that plays into the finished work of Jesus Christ. In other words, you know, I had only given limited mental assent to the idea that I was actually presently existing in heaven because I'm saved. Jesus brought me full circle round to the fact that I am living in heaven right now. I'm a citizen in heaven. I'm registered in heaven. And I'm living like that's not true. And then I had a revelation. I'm like, well, <laughs> at least I was worshiping God. <laughs> because if they were looking at what you're doing while you're standing up there, it might look like cursing somebody out as a Christian or giving a total pity party to God <laughs> as a Christian, complaining, whining, murmuring, gossiping. At least I was worshiping God. I'm like, well, I've got him one foot up, but I'm still ignorant 
I was like, wow, how ignorant am I? So we la got to laughing about that. And, you know, I, I got I got the point. He said, Daniel, I'm going to teach you how to live out of the abundance of this place. Which is why we're calling it cash and the kingdom. Because I'm also talking about kingdom. See, kingdom, kingdom is the realm in which God is king. Kingdom is the government of God that is established in the spirit. That he extends into the earth through the hearts of men and women that are submitted to him. The kingdom of God is the realm in which God is king. It's a realm that we engage. It's dimensionally separated from earth. It's very important for us to understand the idea, the, the cause that goes behind kingdom, because when we miss kingdom, we miss like the whole thing. And, uh, you know, living out of kingdom or kingdom living is living to intentionally bring heaven and earth into alignment. And, and because we're so divorced from the idea of what kingdom is, it means it becomes very easy to become very religious about the money thing because we divorce ourselves from the realm that has the abundance of wealth that has no uh, articulation. It's so vast. And I'm going to show you why. Because God, Jesus began to walk me around this area and uh, he showed me some storerooms. I, I saw a number of storerooms, the two significant ones that just really resonate with people where the one was just full of body parts and uh, vitamins and uh, organs and stuff like that. And, and, and God said, this is for the healing of my people. In other words, God gave me a revelation. The things that we are believing God for are already established. And they were set in this like, you know, the storehouse. And it's just like, I, I even saw a picture of how there were tubes that would come from that storehouse into the earth. And those tubes were determined by, um, you know, faith and obedience um, I think an, an anointing mantle can play into that. And they, uh, they would be able to extract from the storehouse if the tube was big enough. And then what was already stored up in heaven could be brought into the earth, not onto someone's desk like, you know, someone needs a new liver. So, oh, well, hold on, let me just pray plop. Okay, there's a giant bloody liver on my desk. Here, let me go deliver it to the person. And no, God puts it in the body as a ministry um, of, uh, you know, faith and power and encounter and whatever. He, so, so the tubes just go where the interface and superimposition is needing to occur. It's, it's really, it was really cool. So then um, the next storehouse was full of wealth. I mean, it was gold, jewels, diamonds, stuff. I, I was just like, wow. You, you, you could like literally buy the nations of the earth with this. It's so much wealth. This room was so big and tall and high and whatever. Because I was I was blown away. Now, the uh, the kicker is you know it, it, the the full story is in my book Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm. Which if you haven't uh, gotten your hands on that, this is a shameless plug. It's it's actually a pretty good book. It has pretty good reviews on Amazon. Um, if you've read it and <laughs> you enjoyed it, you know write a review please. <laughs> but um, the the uh, the thing is. I got done with the vision and I was like, wow, that was amazing. I saw storerooms in heaven. I saw myself acting a fool. I was rebuked. I'm so happy. And then I went, you know, through my day and I went to sleep, woke up and, you know, press repeat, went back into my prayer place. Well, the next day I went back and I was there again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm back. And um, so Jesus showed me some more stuff up there. And I asked him the question. I said, Jesus, there's like nobody here. Why don't I really see a bunch of people? Like if, I, if this is heaven, shouldn't I see, you know, Abraham and David and uh, other cool people? And then he said the most profound thing. 
he said, this is yours. In other words, he said, this is your area of heaven. <laughs> it's not Abraham's area of heaven. It's not uh, one of the great men or women of God's area of heaven. It's, it's your area of heaven. Everything that you've seen is actually allocated to you, child. And, and, and then I, I went into this, you know, place of wonder, awe. Wow. But then I began to connect the dots. Because I said, wait a minute. Those storerooms that I saw were so vast and huge that they could buy nations. Surely, wait a minute. If that's what you gave me, what happens when you multiply that by tens and hundreds of millions of believers alive on the earth right now? And that's when it began to click that we are living so far beneath inheritance and beneath privilege. It's actually sick. It's disgusting. It's, 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 it's abominable. It's really, really gross. What the body of Christ has managed to do with what we've been given, which is virtually nothing in comparison to what we could be doing with what we have, which is everything. We are actually connected to a realm of limitlessness and have managed to limit ourselves to the point of, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm losing words here. I'm so upset. And, and the, the, the deeper this revelation saying, because it continued to sink over the years, I just really get ticked. When I look at the impotence, the programmed impotence of the body of Christ, Though he was rich, yet he became poor, that through his poverty we might be made rich. I mean, this, this idea that God expects us to perform best when we are broke and the Illuminati has all the money, all the wealth, and all the influence is a Luciferian lie from the pit of hell. Because I saw what God gave me and me alone. It's just, just mine. Just mine. Just mine. I, I, and it's just like, guys, guys, listen to me. Who cares what I've got? You need to think about what you've got. We, as the body of Christ, need to think about what we've got. And what are we connecting our faith to? Are we connecting our faith to what we have? Or what we have told ourselves we shouldn't have? And many Christians connect themselves not to the truth of God's kingdom, but to a lie that the devil seeded into their mind. They, we actually faith our way into the establishment of the lies that we believe. We apply our faith and our teaching to lies. It's sick. You do a better job as a Christian if you're broke. Because the, God, the Bible says, blessed are the poor. That must mean you're more blessed if you're poor. Um, okay, you know, Someone's really upset with me right now. 
And you're saying, Daniel, you sound like one of those guys on TV. You talk about money all the time. What's happening to you? <laughs> I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You know, uh, just because some people have used the biblical truth of increase to hurt people by misapplying it to scams, criminal activity uh, in certain cases, um, and, and just to manipulative strategies for raising money, um, doesn't mean that there's not truth in what is being talked about. See, I want believers established in truth, period. And the truth is that we are connected to a realm of incalculable resources that are intended to be funneled into establishment and manifestation in the earth through us so that kingdom agendas can be advanced. End of statement. So, you know, here's this... Uh, heavenly courtroom experience. I uh, I love John 14. It's so cool. It says this. Um, <clears throat> Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Okay, so so Jesus is basically telling him, hey, I'm going to die and I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. Some people read this passage, they get to verse 3, and they say, aha, here's my, you know, dispensational excuse where I am going to push all kingdom promises into some untold future thing after a rapture that rescues us out of this uh, Satan-owned world because we're powerless in it and we just need to be saved. And um, they say, aha, it says, I will come again and receive you to myself. Jesus is going to come back and rescue me and take me to heaven. And then he'll give me a biscuit. Like, guys, in, in John 14, this is actually what happens. He tells them, I am going to go and prepare a place for you. Now, the Bible spends the entire New Testament talking about this revelation of being found in Christ. Whole, whole New Testament, all across. I mean, just read Ephesians 1 for crying out loud, and you'll see. You'll see. It just goes, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, for you are in Christ, is what you have in Christ. Um, for you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You have been accepted in the beloved that is in Christ. You know, it is so much to be said on this, and and, and just throughout the all, all New Testament epistles. Then this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you to myself. See, through his death, burial, and resurrection, he made a way for us to connect with the Father through him. And in that, he prepared a place for us in the heavenly places in him so that he could receive us to himself. He returned. He came again for them when he was resurrected from the dead three days after they killed him. We are not waiting for this promise to be established for us as believers until the second coming of Jesus Christ at some point after that. We have it now and have had it for the past 2,000 years. The reality that Jesus prepared a place for us that he could receive us to himself that where he is, there we may be also. That is the whole idea of being found in him as a new covenant believer. And then he said, right before that, in my father's house are many mansions that were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. In other words, there is a father's house 
And in that house, that region, that jurisdiction, we could just go ahead and call it the third heaven. There are many mansions, mones. That is a, a place, an abode. That is a territory or an estate that's been assigned to you and I. And that's where Jesus took me in my vision. He took me to my heavenly mansion. And it's more than a house. I'm telling you, it's an entire inheritance established in an estate. You have that. You have that. And what's in yours is specific to your calling in Christ. Meaning that God has already prepared everything that you need. So the Bible says, we are walking into works which were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Wow! Like, I mean, what, what a mighty God we serve. What are we doing? You know, we've spent all our lives complaining to God that he doesn't never do anything for us. He already did it all. Our failure to connect with what he did is not an indictment against his character. Let me say that again. Our failure to connect with what he did is not an indictment against his character. You need to understand that. Whining, complaining believer. I'm sorry. I can do this because you're not sitting in front of me and I don't see your face. Our attitude needs to be fixed on some of these things. Now, some of us have a really hard time because we are up against things that we don't even know how to explain. We, we don't have a grid for it. We don't, we don't have an understanding for how we're getting beat on this issue because, well, I tried the good attitude. I tried to believe. I tried the faith thing. I tried your prayer. still didn't work. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to you guys. I do feel bad for you because you know what? Some, and I, wanna say, I, I am going to say this. Some people have more against them than the church has ever understood. And there are people that have more against them competing for their financial breakthrough then I understand how to articulate at this point in the ministry because there are people that I've applied high-level revelation to, and, and we're going to talk about some of that, some of the things the Lord has shown us, and that has led to breakthrough for some, not breakthrough for all, uh, and, and still not seen total breakthrough in the financial areas. Because let me tell you something, the devil is scared. He is scared of the day the church sacks the wealth of the nations for the purposes of the advancement of the kingdom of God. Because, see, when I say sack the wealth of the nations, I mean restore the wealth of the nations to, to, to the nations, as opposed to the powers of darkness that are puppeting the nations by holding their wealth hostage in the spirit. And we're going to talk about that. But first, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about faith and what we are actually putting our faith in. Um, the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. We need to put our faith in a God that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or think. We think our calling is, uh, you know, 10. God says it's 10,000. Like, we need to understand that we need to believe for uh, size and uh, expansion and, and influence and stuff that goes beyond our ability to conceptualize and just put our faith there and say, you know what, God, <laughs> I believe that you are as big as you say you are. Let's just start there and see where this thing goes. Now, um, one of the biggest problems with the, the, uh, the, the poverty mentality is that people are programmed with the Bible. I call it religious programming. There's uh, four really significant points that people love to bully believers with. Um, and I'm going to go through those and then we're going to kind of mosey on into some other stuff that's really cool to talk about. So, you know, point number one that will help you to overcome religious programming that has kept you in a poverty mentality is the, the, the addressing of Matthew 5, 3, which says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Uh, Luke 6.20 is the same thing. It says, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, blessed be ye poor for yours is the kingdom of God. And, and so people, they say, aha, there, well, there it is. See, if we are poor, we're blessed. And that's the way God likes it. And here's the problem. That allows us to believe that the evil people should have all the wealth. And we actually let them keep what they stole by making ourselves impotent with our belief system. The poor are blessed in this passage because the solution to their poverty is the kingdom of God. Let me just explain. See, if I'm poor in the natural, like I was, right? And I, I, uh, I was living in a one-bedroom apartment making less than what I needed to afford to live on. And so I went negative every month until my situation did change. I began to make twice as much as I was making. That was the next step. But the first step was I, I go into the season of very little. You know, Paul said, I both know how to be abased and how to abound. You have to learn how to do both because we need to be versatile. And uh, so, 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 you know, I went there. But when I was there in that place of poverty, what was true was what I couldn't see which was that there was a storehouse in my heavenly mansion full of wealth that's so abundant from my vantage point, I perceived it could actually buy nations. That was true in heaven, even though on earth, my circumstances were what they were. So blessed are the poor because in the spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? I have access to a kingdom that is a solution to every type of lack or poverty that I have. And you know what? Even in that place, I never missed a meal. I never had a health condition that, uh, you know, was not being able to get taken care of by the resources that were available to me. I never had, I, I didn't actually have a uh, lack of ability to have my needs met because I actually had a balance in my bank account that covered the difference from what I wasn't making at work. And it was provision. Like I was actually provided the whole time. But... It was very, very uh, small provision that I had to work with for a season. Last about four or five months. And, and what I'm saying is we need to get over this religious programming. This passage is not an excuse to stay in a place of poverty where we are impaled against the achievement of dreams and visions that God has for our lives because we are stuck in a rut. This passage is not your license to stop believing God for a breakthrough. Point two, Daniel, money is the root of all evil, you jerk. Thank you for that. The Bible actually says in 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many arrows. Or sorrows. It, that's true. 100%. When we make an idol out of money, we will have problems. You know what else you have a problem with? If you make an idol out of food or drugs 
or cars or sex or any kind of, like, that's the thing the love of money is the root of all evil there, there is a, a a love of money that poisons our ability to steward money for kingdom agenda and the advancement of God's goals. But God still uses money in the natural to advance his agendas and goals. He just tries to find people that aren't in love with it. <laughs> the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay, <clears throat> done there. Next, Daniel. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. See, the devil owns the world. And so we are to keep our eyes off of the things of this world. You're usually really good, Dandoval. Why are you turning into such a jerk today? Okay. I'm sorry for your ignorance. Um, <clears throat> the Bible actually says that the earth is the Lord's and all of its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. In other words, the devil doesn't own this planet at all. As a matter of fact, to say that is to actually not know what the Bible says. So sorry, we need to read the Bible, right? And get our belief system from that book. And, and, and so Psalm 24, 1 is the, 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 the Lord's response to the accusation that the devil owns the world. And so we need to keep our eyes. It's, it's, it's just nonsense. Stop with the nonsense. The, the earth is the Lord. So, so, so the planet belongs to God. He owns the planet. He owns the planet. That never changed. He didn't stop owning the planet after Adam sinned. Adam sinned. God still owns the planet. Period. Done. Psalm 24.1. Done. Um, furthermore, I would ask, you know, why does God own the cattle on a thousand hills according to Psalm 50.10? What does God need a cow for? The answer is to give it to you. Not to have you sit on your hiney while evil people and the Illuminati steal it from you and sell it back to you and make you pay for it with a credit card they gave to you that's going to charge you interest so they can put you in debt. And that's what many Christians settle for. They're like, aha, that makes sense. I will let them steal my cow that God wants to give to me because God wants me broke. And then when I need to eat, I will go and get their credit card and buy my cow back from them and pay interest on the cow that they stole from me. I'm laughing because it's silly. <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing. Uh, we, 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 somewhere along the, the road got very confused. And, and, and so the Bible says in, in, in Proverbs 13, 22, you know, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. See, uh, God actually intends to change this problem. But but it, it, the, the change in the problem, it really gets very big because when we as the body of Christ wake up to what we are actually working with, which are tens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions of storehouses filled up with wealth, with the capacity to buy nations, the body of Christ could buy this planet millions of times over and still have a positive balance sheet, in my opinion. why the devil is fighting you tooth and nail you don't know what god gave to you and that's the problem why we're confused we just don't know we don't know um and and, and so here's the thing the devil doesn't really have anything he hasn't stolen 
It's our job to take it back. Say, wait a minute, Illuminati. You are selling me my cow with a credit card you gave me that's charging me interest and putting me in debt to buy back what you stole from me. In the name of Jesus, I am just going to take my cow back. This is the attitude that Christians need to really kind of begin to wake up to because that's when, you know, enough, enough people wake up, then that's when systems begin to change because we, we actually do have power to change systems. Um, and, that, and that's implementation of kingdom. See, and, and that's what's coming. I mean, God, God is not okay with what's happened to this planet, period. He's not. He's not okay. He's not okay. And, and we can't use the excuse that, you know, well, uh, mm, the rapture is going to be any day now, so uh, I guess we might as well not try. Yeah, the rapture was going to be any day now since 1988. It is 2017. Get a grip. We are here on assignment. Bible says, occupy until I come. I am not counting down the days till Jesus gets here. My opinion is that the devil should be counting down the days until I get too old to hurt him anymore in Jesus' name. And you too. So this, this, is, this is the shift, right? Um, but we, we, we need to want one more. I need, to, I need to talk about one more here. The rich young ruler. You can't forget that guy, right? Because God said, look, look, guy. Um... You should sell all your stuff and follow me. But the rich young ruler who, who had kept all the commandments from his youth and who had many possessions walked away very sad and he actually did not do what Jesus said. And then Jesus responds and he says, and I say again to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Right? So... If God wanted us to be rich, then he wouldn't have told the rich man that. But because it is obviously easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle, which is impossible, therefore it's impossible for rich people to be saved. I'm done, period. Dan Duvall, there's my argument, and I'm going to turn you off now. Uh, doesn't work. It, it, and I'm going to tell you why. It, it just doesn't work because we have to understand what Jesus is really getting at here and what he means when he talks about entering the kingdom of God. You know, the rich young ruler did not give away his money because it was a heart issue. See, he was not connected to the reality that the realm of God has way more than he had ever or could have ever possibly amassed in his lifetime through inheritance or otherwise. God had so much more for him stored up in his heavenly place, he doesn't even know about it. But he sees his physical wealth, he's out of touch with kingdom, and he is saying, I do not trust God's ability to provide for me apart from my ability to provide for myself. The moral elements of what God asked me to do, great, fine. Asking me to become materially dependent on God and his kingdom, which I cannot see or engage with my physical body, not ready for it. So Jesus is saying, look, it's easier for a camel to go through an iron needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When a person has come from a place of great wealth, it's sometimes very hard to see the provision from God 
and his realm as separate from what is already manifesting in the natural. That division is very hard. That That is a very hard break. Oftentimes, it's a lot easier to identify with the resources coming from God's realm and hand when we have nothing and we don't have a choice but to believe that God will make a way. And then when we see the way come, we know it had nothing to do with us. But when there is great wealth already in existence, sometimes it's hard to say that that same realm that provided for the poor person is also providing for the rich person because the rich person doesn't have nearly what God has for them. The rich young ruler could not make that transition. You know, that idea that the, the, Jesus uses this expression, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle, that's, a, that's an idiom. That's like saying, man, that was dope. Like, what is the word dope? What does that even mean? It's an expression. It, like, you know, the eye of the camel through the eye of a needle. It's an expression. It means it's very difficult. He's not saying it's impossible for rich people to be saved at all. The, the rich young ruler was trusting in the arm of the flesh. And that's the problem. As a matter of fact, he is just as bad as the believers that have a very small amount of money and still can't be generous with the little bit that they have. It's like, dude, you only have 50 bucks. <laughs> Just put 20 bucks in the plate. Like you're going to, you're going to be fine. Like I'm not, I, I am so tight fisted. I'm not going to give a dime to God. Like, you know, that that's the same mentality, you know, holding on to 50 bucks or holding on to $50 million. Like it's the same thing. It, it's this lack of ability to trust and to engage with this realm. I see that's the thing because we don't understand kingdom. We can't understand what Jesus is talking about when he says enter the kingdom. Like we, we don't get interfacing, interacting, exchanging with the realm of God as an approach to life. We look at the natural, gauge the natural, judge the natural and base our reality on the natural. I say truth is higher than fact, and truth is what is established in God's realm. Fact is what is in the earth, and truth is designed to supersede fact when the promises and resources of God supersede our situations. And so the, the, we, Jesus is really getting to the heart of, look, I am going to graduate you into a place of operation where you are actually interfacing with the abundance of my realm. But first, I need you to surrender what you've amassed so that I can show you that. He didn't want to go there. This is not an indictment of rich people. <laughs> and all the rich people said, Amen, I knew I was saved. Yeah, I have a million dollars in a big boat, but I'm saved. I love Jesus. Why do all of these poor Christians hate me? I don't hate you, brother. Let me tell you something. You are vindicated in Jesus' name. It, it, it's, it's okay to be well. As a matter of fact, God has people on assignment to create and generate vast wealth to advance his agendas in the earth. That is a kingdom assignment. Wealth creation and generation is a kingdom assignment. You know, if you're just one, one, trying to tell people, well, God thinks you're holier and better if you're broke, are actually invalidating kingdom assignments. Stop. So, you know, God said, uh, Luke 6, 38, give, and it will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, 
will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you like see this thing god actually intends to increase his people and and to graduate them into greater and greater uh uh uh, manifestations of what has been stored up for them insofar as their inheritance in Christ. God designed us to live out of our heavenly inheritance in present time. That's kingdom living. And we're so disconnected from this. And so we buy this poverty mentality garbage. It makes me want to vomit. I don't know if you can tell, right? And, and and I say this, I don't, I, I'm like not trying to bring condemnation on people. I, I just, this thing is like in, in me. It, it just, it, it, it's what I'm going after is belief system. What's actually going on in any person's life and in a place where they are specifically, whatever. I, I don't intend to bring condemnation to that. Look, if you're struggling, I know you're struggling. Look, it's okay. It's okay to have a hard time. Like, you know, honestly, I, I've gone through a hard time. Bride ministries has gone through a huge financial attack. Uh, and, and, and you know what? That happened while we were praying and commanding and, and doing and believing everything. And it's, we, like right now we're in the process of that turning around and coming back around. You know, I, I don't really talk about this kind of stuff much. But look, just because I believe this way doesn't mean I don't get attacked, that I don't go into pe- periods of time where it's like, oh my gosh, God, where are you? Why is this happening? Uh, where is, how is the devil nailing? I, I mean, look... Uh, they, the, the enemy attacks and we go through seasons of decrease sometimes. You know, we have to navigate hard things and come through. That's okay. It's just part of the journey. But the, 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 the thing is, the devil wants us to be so focused on the lie that we can be more spiritual if we are broke that we don't get around to asking the question, how did his people get all the resources and why aren't uh, we taking the resources back and seeing the collapse of the structures in the natural and in the spirit that maintain their control. That's the question we need to be asking. You know, and as I've asked this question, because I've had to, uh, you know, we've actually come across several novel concepts that I'm going to tell you about. You know, we're going to answer the why question for a little while. I told you, <clears throat> people come to me, they say, well, Daddy, I got your financial prayer, but why, why, why? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you some of the things that we've learned, some of the avenues by which uh, they, they've used complex things in the spirit to keep wealth and increase from people that we don't have an understanding of, and therefore we are uh, able to be maintained by. One of those is grids. One of those is grids. And, and this one has been a learning curve for me and I still don't fully understand it but I will tell you uh, we have engaged it and um, it's made a difference in the lives of some not all it is definitely real and a part of the problem for those specifically those that I mentioned that it's just like no matter what is done there is no breakthrough grids are often implicated when that is the case and the the thing is the the power and authority of Jesus Christ is sufficient to deliver from this issue but if we don't have the ability to connect our faith to the power of God to release us from this issue because we don't know the issue exists that's the back door that maintains the bondage and and so one application of grids is, is is this they will actually plug people into financial grids in the spirit. 
and we've encountered this in our work with survivors and others. And um, when this is done, what happens is that it establishes a secret agreement to be robbed. And it, it establishes a secret agreement to have the resources and inheritance from God taken and redirected in the spirit to the powers of darkness that are faithful to their demonic puppeteers. Um, and people are set in these financial grids, often through rituals that can be performed in or out of this 3D earth dimension. Um, and sometimes when it's performed outside of it, it is done in the spirit realm uh, with with people that have been born with a great deal of generational iniquity. It's just unfortunate that this happens. And um, it, it's actually the grid thing is implicated in a complex agenda to rob the wealth of nations. Um, it, it's vast. Now I'm going to start here. Psalm 85, 13 says, Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Now, this is what, what this is saying is that the footsteps of the Lord can be a pathway and we can walk where God has tread. And so the, the route of safety, the route of, you know, prepared uh, travel is, is in the footsteps of our Lord. And um, when we see where he's going, we can follow him. And, and so it's like this beautiful picture of journeying through life in cooperation and partnership with God. And it's like, follow him. Keep your eyes on him. Follow him. Walk in his footsteps, whatever. So, so there are pathways in the spirit. It's the idea. And um, the, the idea that there are pathways in the spirit actually has huge application. Um, huge, huge, huge application. And you can look at a grid, like a financial grid, as a type of pathway in the spirit. It's not a pathway in the footsteps of the Lord. It's another kind of pathway. And uh, things travel pathways in the spirit, even inheritance, resources, money, land. Um, and if they create a pathway in the spirit leading to globalist-run banks, they can plug parts of people into those pathways like nodes. And each node becomes a power source for the pathway, which I'm calling a grid, because that's the term that's come to us from the work that we have done. They are called grids. And um, presence in a grid, when a, and they love to do this with people that have been dissociated, particularly in satanic cults. Um, also, this this blurs over into the government-sponsored mind control programs and, and calls like they because it's the same people involved oftentimes and and and, and so what happens is the, the presence is a legal agreement to be robbed by the powers in charge of the grid and they take the dissociated parts of people and through rituals being done in the natural or sometimes in the spirit realm or in other realms they are relocating soul parts, fragments of people into the grids and they stay there and <laughs> literally separated from the person's body, separated from identity, separated from assignments. But, but presence in that grid is legal right for resources that should be going to that person that had this done to them, often without any agreement of their consciousness, to have everything kept away from them. It's called cheating. <laughs> it's called cheating. And I, I'll tell you, folks, I have worked with a number of individuals and found 
that grids were part of the way the devil was keeping their finances away from them. But instead of being like, oh, well, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, so you're supposed to be broke. I have a different mentality. You have an inheritance from God that's being stolen. Let's go get it back in Jesus' name. And that's what I'm, I, that's what I'm getting at in this, this conversation here. I'm trying to help you get out of the ditch. But in order to do that, I have to actually uh, attack lie-based belief system that the devil uses to keep people in check. When I find that a person is implicated in a problem, what I'm looking for is the solution. And because I have a kingdom mentality, I know the solution is not to stay impaled and impoverished and in lack. The solution is to address the vehicles by which the devil has kept the person in lack so they can begin to walk in what God intended them to have. Thank you. And um, so they, they put Christians in these things. They put people in these things. They redirect their inheritance, their resources, the things that are supposed to come to their lives. To other stuff. I mean, they can literally direct this to the underwater spirit kingdom. They can uh, redirect this to banks. The, the Illuminati families all maintain grids. And they put everybody in the family in those grids. And so if a person is part of an Illuminati family, I can guarantee you they have a presence of some kind of dissociated part of them or whatever have you in a grid in the spirit. And this is one of the ways why at the moment a person begins to break away from the family and the cult and whatever, all of their material wealth vanishes. They just steal it. They take it. It's gone. Boom. It's calamity, catastrophe, this, that. And, and this is the thing. They have a right to do it because they have parts of people in these grids and no one knows about the grids. Well, until now, now you know about the grids in Jesus' name. And, and, and so the next step, is, well, what do you do about the grids? Well, we've done a lot of things about grids, you know, uh, some, and, and uh, there are things that I do in the spirit. I, you know, it, it requires a lot of explanation to get into, but there are ways to collapse grids. I mean, not only have we seen how the Lord Jesus can rescue a person out of a grid and uh, make it so that they're no longer um, being ruined by that bondage, he can actually take everybody out of a grid that has been identified and and destroy the whole grid and every earth system connected to it collapses in response to that. That is actually part of what Jesus has done, even in our work, which is so exciting. Um, you know, it was really interesting. And, and I'm not trying to say this is this or this is that. And I, 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 it is, all I'm saying is it was a really interesting observation that when I was working with one of my clients, an extremely high level survivor, we uh, did some things in the spirit, took them out of a number of grids. It was a large number of grids um, associated with a specific family. And um, then we leveraged their testimony in the courts of heaven into a judgment on the grids. This was all done in the spirit by which we were able to legally extract all the parts of all the people that were in the grid, um, have the angels take them to where the Lord Jesus sent them, which a lot of that was third heavenly places for processing. And, and then we commanded destruction on the grids. Well, it was a few days later when they announced Brexit. And I was actually told, about, I didn't even know that that happened. Someone called me and told me like, hey, did you know that this has happened? 
And it's like, that wasn't supposed to happen. And, you know, you just wonder, huh, I wonder if what we did had something to do with that. Because, like I'm saying, these, these, these are real, this, like these grids are real. Like, th this is what they do. And um, when they lose the whole grid, the earth systems connected to it, I believe, will fail. And uh, just imagine if every believer that is on the planet suddenly has a revelation and demands their freedom from these grids in Jesus' name and gets free. What happens to all of the evil grids that are redirecting all the flows of resources that are supposed to be coming to the children of light? Okay, that's your homework. Now, uh, grids can look different. Um, uh, sometimes what they do is they get parts of people and, and program them to run missions to, and this is all in the spirit, right? So it, 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 it kind of is hard to explain, but they will get assignments to steal money uh, from the earth but in the spirit and take it to the the place of their that they report to which uh, the underwater kingdom is huge on this the underwater kingdom has stolen the wealth of nations and i'm going to tell you why in a minute but i i've actually found people that have been used uh, to to bring wealth to the underwater kingdom as out of body soul fragments and they're programmed with lies that sound like the world's wealth belongs to us. That is, we, the evil spirits in the underwater evil spirit kingdom. They're programmed with lies like, uh, we will use this wealth for the betterment of mankind. Uh, we are the rulers of the world, so it belongs to us, so go get it for us. Like they, they, and so they take parts of people out of body and they give them these, this programming, which are these lies. And uh, you, know, you say, well, how do I break out of that if that's me? Will you renounce those lies? <laughs> On behalf of the parts of you that are running that and then command the angels to bring the parts back and have, you know, ministry and reconciliation and all that. It's a lot of this is best done in the in the context of uh, coaching sessions, but it, it can be done the solo show. You know, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Right. Um, and, and, and so the underwater spirit kingdom will have associated parts of people working out of body to steal wealth and leverage the God given dominion of people in the earth to move the world's resources in the spirit. And it's like they're moving it around these grids. And uh, I, I'll, I, I'm going to suggest that this has been going on for millennia. As a matter of fact, Jesus gave us one hint about the underwater spirit kingdom that is so profound. And it's so funny what he does because when he needs to pay taxes, he actually bills the kingdom of darkness for his debt because he knows that he's spending what they stole. Watch this. Matthew chapter 17, verse 24, it said, When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes, from the sons of men or from strangers? Peter said, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. In other words, kingdom of darkness, pay up. Kingdom of darkness, pay up. Jesus knew that the wealth of the nations was stolen and harbored under the sea. 
He was calling them on it. Um, it's just all all very very interesting, and um, so we've gone you know pretty deep in it. And, and so what I'm doing is I'm I'm telling you Intel, right? This is actually going to apply to some of you, and it really applies to those of you that are really angry about what I'm saying because there are parts of you that are so upset. How dare you, Dan Duvall, expose that, you jerk. So you're upset, but you think you're just mad because I'm telling some kind of lies. I'm not lying. Um, the reason why you're upset is probably because this applies to you. And I'm saying by the unction of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you're saying... I can't wait until he gets a guest back on the program. This guy is just too much. So um, the, 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 the thing is, these grids are a real problem. And now that you know about it, the Lord can speak to you on it. One of the biggest things that I find is that people begin to get free faster when they have a grid for what they're allowed to hear from the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit can come to a person and say, hey, your problem is that you have reptilian genetics in your bloodline. But they're not allowed to hear that from the Holy Spirit because their church told them there's no such thing as reptilians. So they actually can't get free, even if the Holy Spirit speaks to them, because they're programmed to not believe what the Holy Spirit is saying because they're not allowed. So what I do is I try to find the truth and then tell people, no, you're actually allowed to hear this from the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes behind me and says, and you are in a financial grid and let me show you why and how and I'm going to help you get free. You just get free. Like, you don't have to go through years of wilderness because of ignorance. You know, the Bible says we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. What I'm trying to do is, you know, walk into that. I want to walk out of ignorance and into understanding. And I, I want you to do the same thing. I, I want to take you with me, right? So, 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 so grids are a real thing. Uh, pathways in the spirit, so to speak. Next, uh, financial angels. Now, People get so funny about angels. I, I, I just, it just drives me nuts. You know, I, I begin to talk about angels. I'm a, I'm a new ager. I'm a Luciferian. I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that. Like, okay. I mean, who had angels first? Christians or new agers? Who had angels first? Christians or ancient Israel? I mean, who had angels? Like, God has had angels around since the beginning of create, like he created them. There's no confusion in the Bible about the reality of angels. It's like, like all of a sudden people get so weird. It's like, if you talk about angels as a Christian, you're weird. You're weird. Give me a break. I mean, people get so excited about the, the, the story of the baby Jesus and how the angels appeared to the shepherds by night. And they said, fear not. And they, they get so religious about this thing. Every time the summer comes, they're like, look, the angels appeared to the shepherds. We're so happy for those shepherds. It wasn't that so cool. And I say, yeah, and the angel, Daniel Duval, you're a new ager. Talking about angels and stuff. Like, why? How? What? And, and, and the reality is, when we get kingdom-minded, we begin to understand that God didn't just plop us on earth and sit himself up in heaven with his arms crossed and say, <laughs> let's see what they do here. <laughs> they don't have a chance. Get them, devil. Like, that, cause that, that is the way some Christians perceive the situation. 
They, they, they see that. And they think they don't have no help. They think God doesn't listen to their prayers. They think there's no chance. Survive and die and get a biscuit. And, um, or of course, you know, you get rescued by the rapture for those that still believe in a preacher rapture. Uh, okay, that, I have a big problem with that, right? Because we are citizens in heaven. We are citizens in heaven from which we await. You know what it means to be a citizen? It means it's where you belong. We were raised up and seated with Christ in heaven, but we, we are interfacing with heaven by design when we are believers. And we are so disconnected from that, it is really horrible. And, um, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, but you have come, that's past tense, to Mount Zion. This, what that means is that believers, you're in Mount Zion right now because there is a heavenly Mount Zion and that's where you are. He said, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Some, some believers think, hey, yeah, the new Jerusalem in Revelation 21 and 22, that's not coming until a thousand years after Jesus comes back. Yeah, maybe. Like, 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 okay. Hebrews 12, 22 says you already arrived at that city, though. So we get confused with what God has already established and the full alignment of what he has established according to a prophetic timeline. We get that confused really, really bad. You have come to Mount Zion. You're there. It's, it's a heavenly Mount Zion. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Also there. You're in it. <laughs> and then he said, to an innumerable company of angels. You came to an innumerable company of angels. Come on now. People get weird about angels. You're disconnected. You don't know what you're working with. Um, I think that God designed it so that believers and angels collaborated on the advancement of God's agenda. We're just on different sides of the veil. We're just on different sides of the veil. Look, in Revelation chapter 22, there's an angel that shows John all these things. Verse 8, Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Verse 9, Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. <laughs> the angel's like, no, no, no. I'm your fellow servant. I'm your brethren. I'm a brethren of the prophets. Um, and of those who keep the words of this book. Like, we are buddies. Don't bow to me. Worship God. You can have buddies that are angels. They're working with you to serve God. <laughs> Like, you know, and yeah, I mean, do, do new angels, agers sometimes work with and conjure up demons that, you know, uh, masquerade as fallen angels or, or sometimes actual fallen angels themselves? Yes. But not all angels are fallen. As a matter of fact, there's plenty that serve Jesus just like you and me. And, and what am I saying? I'm talking about financial angels. There's a lot of angels that serve God. And, and see, sometimes angels get caught up in spiritual warfare. They can get caught up in that. As a matter of fact, 
You say, Daniel, this is sounds so weird. You're weird. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. I claim that in Jesus name. Um, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Goes on. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me for I've been left there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Gabriel sent on assignment to talk to Daniel, got held up by the Prince of Persia for 21 days, and everybody said, Amen. Now, wait a minute. He got held up. He got bound. He got caught up in spiritual warfare in the heavens. And Daniel was engaging in spiritual warfare for 21 days before that angel was able to get through. And see, Daniel was actively collaborating with God to engage in spiritual warfare because he was fasting. Many of us are so impotent, we don't even engage in spiritual warfare. So when our angels get caught up, just like the angel did in Daniel chapter 10, which means, wait a minute, he's teaching the Bible. Like, we don't even know about it because they never get through. They never get free. They never actually finish the assignment that they were set on. And I'm here to tell you guys, many of you have had financial angels set on assignment to bring you resources, but they have gotten caught up in a spiritual warfare surrounding your life and you have been part of the problem because you're the one accusing me of being a new ager. I'm trying to help you get set free and to get everything God has provided for you out of the abundance of his kingdom working the way it should. I'm here to tell you, we have had many revelations of people, particularly survivors. When I say, Lord God, show them their financial angels that have been bound. It's like, whoa, spirit realms opens up. They see them in prisons on other planets in different areas of the uh, cosmoses and realms, whatever. And they, 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 they actually are getting bound with chains. They can't get free. How do they get free? We command their freedom in Jesus' name. And we give them assignment with the word of God. Now the Bible says, Psalm 103, 20, Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. What is the word they heed? The word of God that is spoken with your voice or his word in your mouth gives the angels of the Lord something to do. And many of us do nothing but curse. We curse our finances. We curse our house. We curse our opportunities. This will never work. My bank account never does this. This is happening. That whatever. We curse, curse, curse. Our financial angels get caught up in that spiritual warfare. We give them nothing to work with. They get bound. Everything gets shut up. Folks, this is a problem. We don't understand the way it works, but I'm here to tell you. When you begin to command that your financial angels are set free and then you give them assignment with the word of God, there is often breakthrough. And that's why th things like my financial prayer work because it gives the angels of the Lord that are sent on assignment to bring finances in something to work with. They work with the word of God. When we speak the word of God, they have something to do. That is their assignment. It's their job to fulfill his word. Get his word in your mouth. 
I, 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 I've seen this many times over and over. It's almost regular. Like if someone says, Daniel, I'm having all these financial problems. I said your you know, prayer, especially if they're tithing. We're going to talk about tithing in a minute or giving. But uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, like, like, seriously, the spiritual warfare is intense. And angels get caught up in spiritual warfare. And if we're not helping, they can get stuck. They just get stuck. And until we respond to heaven, they are impaled. And, and, and that's the mechanics. So get in agreement with God's word and declare in Jesus' name that anywhere financial angels are being held up or in bondage or tied up in the spirit, uh, that they are being set free to do their job and engage in whatever spiritual warfare is necessary to ensure that they get through to their assignment. Because you know what? Daniel, the prophet, had to do spiritual warfare for 21 days before the angel that was on assignment coming to him, not for finances, but to deliver a message, got through. Okay, this is a principle. Okay, moving on. Some of you guys have dissociated self-sabotage parts to spend all your money. I'm sorry. If that's your problem, you just have parts that need healing. That's a real thing. Um, and, you know, there's coaching and ministry for that. Okay. So that's another part. I'm not, I just really, I can't go there right now. Um, portals of income. This is another area that I think we just get confused. You know, one place in the Bible says, cast your bread upon many waters for you know not what evils may come. People want to become very wealthy with a Facebook account and a Twitter feed. Uh, they, they, they want to produce very little value and see very little gain. Or, or they want to drive a Mercedes secretly, although they never say that in church because that's sinful. And yet they're working a job that pays them $10 an hour and they're upset that God won't provide for their Mercedes. And, 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 and this is where people get stuck. They assume that the current gate, doorway, or portal through which some provision is coming is the only gateway, door, or portal through which God intends to work in their lives apart from a miracle. Like a random inheritance from an uncle you don't know. And how many uncles do you really have that you don't know that plans to give you a million dollars when they die? I mean, it's like, so the, the, the thing is, actually... The way it works, we're supposed to cast our bread upon many waters. We're supposed to look at creating uh, avenues for increase in different veins. Stewardship takes into account the creation of multiple streams of income. Like, you don't just settle. That's the thing. You don't just settle. When we settle, then we go into bitterness and we get upset because we just think God should be doing more. Maybe we should be believing for greater and for better and not move from that place. See, I believe truly in my heart that God is going to entrust me to steward vast amounts of resources. And I believe that for years. And I give like that's true. I speak like that's true. I engage opportunities like that's true. I mean, I, I think big. And you know what? We have seen a lot of fruit from that. As a matter of fact, you know, last year we were able to sow into the lives of survivors $70,000 that we were able to raise through this ministry, thanks to you guys. Um, but it was 
declared this is the agenda from you know this venue i mean it was like i can see there there that we can do this we can do a lot we can make an impact we can make a difference god can entrust to us vast resources and and i believe that we can do a lot more than 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 what we did last year i mean there's so much uh, that we can do because there's so much access so much that's been set aside for us so much that's been allocated to us according to heavenly inheritance um i am not looking to mcdonald's to provide for the vision that God has given to me. I am looking to God and opening myself up to ideas that will allow for multiple streams of income that will fund all kinds of things. Me personally, people that God puts on assignment alongside of me, survivors and those that uh, God has called us to minister to and create solutions for, provision for everyone and everything. Like that, that's where my heart is. And does it always work out? No. <laughs> I mean, we, like I said, we went through some really hard times more recently. But we don't stop believing God for it. We don't stop believing God to advance. We don't, we, we don't look at an attack and gauge the motives of the heart of God based on the attack we sustained. And what we have to do is look at, okay, maybe God has more than one gate, doorway, or portal of income for me because if I have all of this heavenly inheritance, it can't fit through the McDonald's portal. It can't fit. I cannot pull in wealth that will shift the uh, trajectory of nations through a McDonald's portal. And you can't either. So you need to think, wait a minute, if I can't pull all of this through the McDonald's portal, what kind of portal, what kind of doorway, what kind of gate can I pull this through? And that's going to open up, that's going to open you up to the ideas of God, the concepts of God, the strategies of God. You know, the Bible says he will give us witty inventions, um, the, the, the place of your genius, and he's going to give you the strategies to set that in the earth, establish it so it manifests and opens the kinds of portals necessary to bring in what God really wants to put into your life. So we, we can't uh, divorce ourselves from practicality as we are spiritually approaching this idea of cash and the kingdom. Okay. Giving. This is point five. We, we've been through a number of points. We talked about grids. One. We talked about financial angels and, and, and angels on assignment. Uh, two. Uh, we talked about dissociated, self-sabotaging parts of those that are dissociated, spending their money foolishly. Uh, that's a real thing. Three, uh, portals of income. Four, another one I'm going to give you, giving. Uh, okay. This is a really sensitive subject because every time giving comes up, there's going to be a batch of people that say, I feel violated right now. I feel so violated because he said giving. <sighs> giving. You violator. Abusive pastor you. Look, no matter how much manipulation has happened around the subject of giving, Luke 6.38 still says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, this is what people do. Their car is broke, right? That's their financial gain. Um, and they hear something. Aha, grids. That must be my problem. I heard grids. I heard grids. That's my problem. Forget about giving, Daniel. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear that. That's just a manipulative lie from all those money-hungry peaches on TV. I'm going to go after my grids. So they don't give, but they go after their grids. Now, this, is what, this is like driving a car that broke down on the road because of a flat tire. 
And instead of just replacing the flat tire, they, they go to the side of the road, replace the flat tire, and take the engine out of their car. It's like, what are you taking the engine out of the car for? Nothing's wrong with the engine, just address the tire. Oh, no, the engine, that's just dumb. That manipulative, abusive engine. What? See, giving is the engine. The grid is the tire. Don't take the engine out of your car to address the tire. Just change the tire. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. You know, sowing and reaping is cosmic law, guys. I mean, it doesn't just apply to money. It doesn't just apply to money. As a matter of fact, when we are leveraging punishment on heavenly powers, we're going to talk about this in our spiritual warfare conference, March 17th through 19th. Hopefully you'll be there. Um, when we are leveraging judgment against heavenly powers, we do so based on the biblical revelation of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is cosmic law. So if you think cosmic law will stop applying to your finances because a money-hungry preacher ticked you off, you are actually in deception. The, the, the principle of generosity and giving never stops being true in the kingdom of God, no matter how much it gets manipulated. And it has been manipulated. I'm sorry for those of you that have been hurt because you've sat under a ministry that has used this to manipulate you and you, you, you've realized that and, and you're wounded by it, you know? Um, the devil wants you wounded by it so that you run as far from this as, as, as you can get. Because then you take the engine out of your car. Like, you're not going anywhere. If you can't get giving, I mean, this is really going to be a problem for you guys. I, I, I'm just going to say that. And, and I, I say that as someone, look, I, I actually give quite a bit of money. I, I, I do. And I have seen the hand of the Lord move in my favor in incredible ways. So the Bible says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you having all sufficiency in all things, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You know, this passage, I love to quote it over people's lives, activate it, speak it, declare it, decree it. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency, always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance to every good work. You know, God actually ha intends for you to do a good work in response to his leading in your life and to have an abundance for it. Not just enough to get it done, more than enough to get it done. And you know what? He links that to sowing and reaping and giving. That promise is actually linked to sowing and reaping and giving. The Bible says in the next verse, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything. For all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. <laughs> while you are enriched in everything, come on. Um, you know, you, it says, multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. It, it's, it's just so amazing what Paul is tying in to the conversation around giving in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I mean, read it for yourselves. You know, and, he, and then he goes in verse 11 and says, while you are enriched in everything. You know, financial 
generosity can actually unlock breakthrough in other areas of your life so that you are enriched in everything from relationships to opportunities to connections to health. I mean, you breakthrough in a lot of areas can come through that. It's, it, it's just profound. And, and what we need is a big picture, guys. What we need is a big picture. I'm going to close with a big picture. I'm almost done. We need a big picture on cash and the kingdom. This is the thing. Money is influence, right? They say money makes the world go round. Well, no, that's not completely true. But I'll tell you what. Money does allow access to systems that direct culture and society and empower people to bring shifts in mega ways that will influence lots of lives. You need resources to do that um, in a large and sustainable way. You know, control of resources gives access to that sphere called influence over nations. And here's the thing. The idea of commanding wealth and, and uh, influence and resources is tied to kingdom agenda. It's not tied to gain for greed or, uh, you know, God, God, see, God doesn't mind if you have a big boat, but God's purpose in giving us great resources is not so that we can have a big boat, but he'll let us have a big boat. I mean, he really will. He doesn't have a problem with that. He wants us to have increase. He just doesn't want us to love money. And, and, and it goes so far. He made this promise to Israel. He said, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. That, that's what he said in Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Ancient Israel was supposed to be the richest and most influential nation in the earth. Rich and influential. And you know what? They were actually connected to the kingdom through the Mosaic Covenant. That covenant was their access to the kingdom of God, which is where the blessings flowed from that were described in Deuteronomy 28. Blessed we be in the city, blessed we be in the country. That that blessing came from the realm of God. It was interfaced with his realm, which is why Jesus had to tell the teachers and scribes, uh, listen, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation producing the fruits thereof. He had to take the, so so there was transferred from the nation of genetic Israel to the nation of spiritual, the commonwealth of Israel, which includes Jew and Gentile in Christ. And, and, and oh, anyway, I don't have time to get into all that. But what I am saying is, ancient Israel was supposed to be the most influential nation on the earth under the old covenant, and they had a promise that engaged them on that level. And then this is what is said in Hebrews eight six. But now. He has obtained a more excellent ministry in as much as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on better promises. Um, okay, that's Hebrews 8, 6. We have a better covenant. They had a covenant. We have a better one. Now, if, if you want to think about promises, like if their promise was to be set high above all the nations of the earth and we have a better covenant with better promises... What are we doing? And this is where we have to get big picture here. It's not about you. It's about him. His increase in your life is not about you, but about him. His increase in your life is not about you, but about him. <laughs> so in Revelation 2, 26 through 28, it says, and this is a better promise, right? And to him who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. 
He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. That's a better promise. Are you kidding me? Power over the nations. You think you're going to do that without being able to walk in tandem with the kingdom of God and the vast resources stored up in that realm that are meant to be manifested in this world? Through you, get a grip. We have a kingdom mandate. It's bigger than survive and die and get a biscuit. Our authority and increase in the earth is intended to supersede the promised potential of ancient Israel with or without a new world order, with or without an antichrist. The promises of God don't change. Antichrist doesn't change a single word in the Bible. The Antichrist Babylonian system is a cheap counterfeit of the system we are connected to as citizens of God's kingdom. And because of our ignorance, we are robbed blind. And then we create religious platitudes to argue away our miserable and pathetic performance in response to the promises and covenants we have been extended. I'm here to tell you it's time for a shift. You've been hanging out with me on Discovering the Truth with Dan DeVall. Till next time, God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.